Welcome, everyone. Hope all is well. And welcome back to the show. Today, I'm here with my good friend, Seal. Welcome to the show. Hi, Garrett. How, how are, are you? you today? I'm good, good. I'm doing good. Doing good. It's a Friday. Friday, Friday. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, I would like to introduce Seal to you as the viewers. Seal isn't tarnished by emotional and physical scars. Relationship and dating coach, Seal is a true survivor a living, breathing fighter who spent three decades demystifying human relationships and behavior through social experiments, research platforms, and anonymous surveys to support her passion for coaching here in the United States and Canada. Since the early 1990s, Coach Seal has been hired to coach organizational leaders and senior level managers at Fortune 500 companies, government agencies, and private institutions around the United States. In recognition of her efforts as a social change advocate, Coach Seal was awarded the prestigious Hall of Fame's Business Woman of the Year by USC and the National Association of Women Business Owners. She also served on the board of directors as an active member of a by invitation only business women's private group called Executive Women International. The state of California's Small Business Administration nominated Coach Seal among 3,800 small business owners for her efforts in supporting other small to medium-sized business owners. Coach Seal was then recognized as a recipient of the Business Champion of the Year Awards at its 25th Annual Small Business Awards Ceremonies in Los Angeles, California. As a guest on CBS Radio, Virtual Dating Coaches Summits, and other international radio shows, Coach Seal enjoys responding to listeners' dating and relationship questions. She said it would be an honor to have her own syndicated radio show one day before she turns 87 and share her passion on healing and recovery for toxic relationship survivors. In addition to her experience as an adjunct professor at a local medical college in Los Angeles, Coach Seal also received additional clinical training and certification for couples on bridging the couple's chasm by the renowned Gottman Institute under the close watch of Dr. John Gottman and Dr. Julie Schwartz Gottman, and is currently completing her certification as a certified clinical anxiety and treatment, professional mastering telehealth and anxiety treatment in the age of social distancing. Nowadays, Coach Seal gives weekly lectures and workshops at live online events in Orange County to address the effect of our current social crisis on emotional health of adults and millennials. Wow. Wow. That is an amazing bio. <laughs> Thank you, Garrett. Thank you. How, how, how did you get into relationship coaching? Because I'm pretty sure you didn't your parents weren't fond of you when you were trying to choose a major for college. I wish there was actually a course in college on relationships and just relationships, dating, intimacy. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was really under psychology. No wonder I really liked psychology. But um, the way I got into uh, relationship coaching was I was a corporate trainer for many, many, many years. And I specialized in training executives and just senior leaders of Fortune 500 companies. And um, usually after a class, I would 
have people come up to me and they would go, you know what, CEO, you were teaching a, this leadership class today and, and you talked about X, Y, Z. Just have a quick question. Um, and it's, it's personal. Do you want to go down to Starbucks or somewhere? We'll go down to a coffee shop. And mm-hmm. we would talk. Eventually, it just became more and more that people would go up to me and talk about relationships and ask me questions about relationships. And that's when I realized one of my clients who was from, um, she was, she's an attorney. She goes, I always come to you and ask you for questions. Have you thought about coaching? She goes, you would be an excellent coach. And she goes, oh, you know what? And I did. I helped her for about two years. And um, she said she learned a lot from me. She referred clients to me. She referred other attorneys to me who became my first clients. And that's when I realized this is really a calling and it's something that I, I enjoy and I really, I love it. And, um, and I, stu- I studied more about coaching and I, I really immersed myself in the world of coaching. And that's how I decided this was really something. And being a corporate trainer is really coaching people and mentoring people. I just changed the dynamic by calling myself a life coach instead of just calling myself a corporate trainer, which I've really been doing for many years. And even as a professor, you know, you're always mentoring students. So um, in corporate, it became, it became something that I just enjoyed doing. And I just focused on it since then. Wow. That's that's so interesting. It's I know that's not like a typical thing to think of when trying to figure out what you want to do in life. So that's that's definitely a need in society. I mean, everything yes. that we do is relationships, business, professional, even just friends. So I mean, what you have is something special. And so I'm super excited to dive in today. Me too. Me too, Garrett. Uh, so we'll start off. Uh, what's your definition of leadership? Um, to me. The greatest leaders have what we call the big black umbrella and that big black umbrella vision and their big why. So when you're a leader, you usually get to see adversities um, as opportunities. And it's also a way for you to get rid of excuses. As a leader, and when you're, when you're looking up to a leader, you don't want the leader to have a bunch of excuses. Um, they also have very high emotional IQs. Um, they can understand, they have empathy, and they usually know how to find the best people. And they surround themselves with experts and people who actually understand the job and the leaders are the ones who tend to, who understand that they don't have to micromanage, that they, they know that they hired you, and because they hired you, they trust you. So there's a, a really high level of trust, and that also stems from the fact that they have confidence in themselves that they're able to hire the right people for the job. Um, they also instinctively know when people need to be cut off from their team. Um, you know, and if someone doesn't work out, they don't necessarily have to keep that person. 
but they know that it's it's there's an instinctive um, understanding that this person is not working out. He's not being a good team player, and uh, he needs to be cut off from the team. Um, good leaders also inspire. They have um, a knack for motivating people and inspiring them. And they have a vision, and that vision actually encap- encapsulates and creates um, an environment where people, people who work for them, actually thrive because they can because they inspire people. Wow, that was really interesting. I mean, that was your definite leadership was definitely different, a different perspective compared to other people's definitions of leadership and it feels more it feels like you're watching from a third party view and i think that's bringing such mm-hmm. a different perspective to how we should view leadership and wow that was great so far <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you what are thank some you. common what are some common leadership mistakes um I'll tell you a couple of things that um, a lot of leaders really, I think if if they develop these skills, it would just be great. And they're really very simple. Mm. Um, Leaders that make the biggest mistakes usually always emanate their leadership from fear. And they don't trust. They don't trust the people around them. And um, which means if you don't trust the people that work for you, what do you tend to do? You tend to micromanage them because you don't trust them. And if you don't trust them, you're constantly questioning people who work for you. You're constantly questioning what they do because you don't trust them because you fear that the person is not going to do the job. And when you do that, when you're constantly watching and micromanaging and questioning them, what usually happens is you disempower these people. Mm -hmm. And disempowering people who work for you can be demoralizing. That's why people usually tend to do things that um, leaders don't expect, right? And of course, there are people who are exceptions to the rule, but generally, um, leaders that usually make mistakes also don't care. And what I mean by that is they lack um, empathy and compassion, which is so important um, in being a good leader. So I think those are those are just at least two of the common things that I think a lot of big leaders uh, that big mistakes that leaders do. What do you think they get that fear from? I mean, is it some of them get that fear usually from um, maybe from experience or their historical blueprint, mm-hmm. um, and and they're human beings too, right? Like if someone cheated on you in a relationship usually have that fear that your next relationship, the next person might cheat on you. And it's, it's a human, natural human behavior, right? So mm-hmm. I don't blame them for having that fear. It's a matter of getting over that fear. How do you look at that fear? Do you look at that fear and let that fear dominate you? Or do you actually say, no, 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 I'm going to crush that fear because there's, there are other things. Cause I know, I know that, I have the right judgment and that I can actually hire the right people for the job. That's interesting. I, and I definitely agree. Fear is always probably one of the hardest things that everyone has to deal with, but it's so important to kind of get over that fear to really propel us forward yeah. wherever we want to go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
in your experience, uh, what are some professional relationship mistakes? Uh, relationships, and this would be relationships um, within the workplace, for yes. example, right? Okay. Um, I think there are two, to me, I just see it as there are two ways of looking at it. Some people have a more egotistical way of conducting themselves in relationships in the workplace, and some people have a more um, altruistic way of dealing with other people. Meaning, if you're in the first camp and you're egotistical, most of your relationships and most of your relationships with the outside world would be more from the view of self-serving. What's in it for me? Mm -hmm. uh, they're more selfish. They're more self-seeking. Everything about me, right? And then we all know people like that. And then the next camp, the other camp, would be the altruistic camp where they are more selfless. They are more humanitarian. They're more charitable in the way they deal with other people. And, and just a good example would be... Um, um, at work and someone needs help, and if some one of your coworkers actually needs help, do you look at it in terms of, ooh, if I help this person, I know I'm gonna get I'm gonna get that pat on the back from other people because I help this person. So your intention is more self-serving, more than I think I really want to help this person because I know, I know, you know. She doesn't have the time and she needs this and oh, just I just better stop what I'm doing and I, I just want to help this person. So, and that was it. That was your intention. So there's two ways, to me, there's just two ways of looking at it. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I definitely seen both. I know the, the one that's kind of more egocentric, that one, like, the person, I've seen it like where my, one of my managers before, like she was intentionally helping us and trying to seem genuine at first. I yeah. just started to realize, okay, she kind of like exposed herself of why her true intention was. And it's like, uh, do you really want to help me? Or are you trying to just like get me to do right. what you want? So it benefits you and forget about me, you know? So it definitely right. feels like, you know, that end of the spectrum feels very, uh, because helpless or very manipulate, manipulated. You feel and, used. Yeah, exactly. There's that feeling that you feel, you actually feel used. Yeah, so. What constitutes a healthy relationship, whether it's professional or personal? Ooh, I like that question. Um, the first thing that I would actually ask you, for example, would be, mm -hmm. um, are you confident in your own identity as a person, a human being? right? Your identity is so important and being confident in that identity is, is crucial. Um, and, and why do I say that? Because when you're confident in who you are, you actually are able to establish your own personal boundaries without question, right? You know exactly who you are, you know what you're not going to put up with, you know what you want, you know what you don't want, and you're able to establish those personal boundaries. And it's important to have those personal boundaries. Um, having trust 
is important in a healthy relationship. I think it's really important. And just like any leader, it's always good to have, uh, it's always good to trust yourself and it's always Mm -hmm. good to trust the people that work for you. So in any relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship or a personal relationship or a workplace relationship, trust is is so important. Um, Humor is another sign of a good relationship. When you can actually laugh, laugh not just at jokes. I'm talking about sometimes laugh at yourselves and not be offended. Well, I think we all know people who you're cracking a joke and they get offended at the slightest joke. So you can't even, you can't even, you can't even joke around them. And it's, it's, it's not fun. (laughs) Um, Another, I think another element of a good relationship that, that would really make you feel good being in this relationship is acceptance. When you know there's acceptance in a relationship, no matter who you are, actually is accepted. There's no judgment. There's no pointing that finger at you and blame shifting and saying, you know what, this is the problem. Whether it's at work or, or it's a romantic or personal relationship, you accept each other's strengths and weaknesses. So acceptance to me is another good way to know that you're actually, do I feel that I'm being accepted in this relationship? Um, respect is another it's another um, element uh, that you can find in healthy relationships. So couples who respect each other are usually, are, they're more considerate of each other's wants and needs. Um, the same lifestyle is also really good when you're in a, a good relationship. Usually you share the same lifestyle, which is, which is really important. Um, having the same goals and expressing those goals with, whether it's a work relationship or a personal relationship, we're here, we're sharing the same goals and we're on the, we're in this together. That's also a good sign of being in a good relationship and having that intimacy. And, and when I talk about intimacy, Garrett, I, what I'm also talking about is sometimes it's not just physical intimacy, it's emotional intimacy. And when you're able to share that emotional intimacy or intellectual intimacy, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, this last one that I'm going to share with you is a sign that you're actually in a good relationship. Mm -hmm. Conflict. People are afraid of conflict. Here's the best part about it. Conflict can actually bring out one's character. In conflict, that's when you actually get to know a person's character. Think about it. Let's let's just let's just turn the tables around and let's talk about dating in, in relationship dating. When you're meeting someone for the first time, for the first two, three months, everything is honky dory, everything's fine. Everybody puts their best foot forward. So things that usually bother you or things that are usually your deal breakers, you kind of brush it off to the side and you don't want to think about it. Or you ignore it, right? Mm-hmm. But when conflict starts coming up, and when conflict is actually inevitable, and this is already like the twelfth or thirteenth month, or even the, just even before that, and you, you, you know, at some point, you just go, you know what? I'm just going to open my mouth. And I'm just going to say something. That's conflict. Now, when there's conflict in a relationship, whether it's at work or a romantic relationship, they will be there. 
no matter what, there will always be conflicts, right? It's how you deal with the conflict that matters. So uh, to me, to answer your question, the way I would really know that a relationship is good is when conflict is handled the right way and there's no character assassination. Just because something happened and just because there's a conflict doesn't mean I should be calling you stupid or I should be calling you lazy. That's character assassination. Who has the right to do that? I didn't get the memo that you're God. So. Wow. That was interesting. Conflict. I mean, how do you know whether conflict is too much? Because, you know, there's, I'm sure there's like a, I guess like a balance of having too much conflict. Mm -hmm. Too much? Or too little or Mm -hmm. too much? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. When, when you feel that it's repeated, that's the key word when it's repeatedly being brought up. And it's almost as if you talk about the same things over and over again. It's like you're this little hamster. And you think to yourself, wait a minute, we just had the same fight two days ago. Or we just had the same argument two weeks ago. And we're talking about the same thing and we're screaming at each other and we're saying the same thing and it happens all the time. That's not good. That's mm-hmm. a bad sign. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and most of the time from what I hear, people usually would say, you know what, I'm just going to give this another shot and I'm just going to give it another shot before you know it, your, your self-esteem has actually eroded so much that you actually start doubting yourself Mm. because the other person's, whatever the other person is saying, if, if that person is toxic and they don't look at the conflict as a third element, and I want you to visualize this. So you have person A and person B, Mm -hmm. person A, number one, person B, number two, the conflict that happens between two people should be like a bubble that's floating between one and two. It should be the third element, right? If you're dealing with a toxic person, they will use that third element, the bubble, and they will use that to define you. And that bubble and you are merged. So if if that conflict was about missing an appointment and you guys were late and because you were late and you missed the appointment, they will actually call you, you lazy bastard, you're just an idiot, you know, you should have at least called me, you know, because you're so stupid. Now, what happened? They actually assassinated your character when the issue was about being late. It was that little bubble that was floating. Instead of saying, you know what, it's too bad we missed this appointment, maybe next time you could call me, and let me know if you're running late. Just give me some time and guess what? I'm going to be there and I'll, I'll take care of it and it's not going to be a problem. It's a better way of dealing with that conflict. But there was conflict. Mm-hmm. It's how yes. you deal with it. Wow. That was... <laughs> never seen conflict <laughs> in that kind of way, but it's interesting. How do you, I mean, how do you approach a person if mm-hmm. they're being victimized from that person who's using conflict in the wrong way i mean well to me what i would actually do is i would recommend that you 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 sit down 
uh-huh. in a neutral location where if anything happens, some you know people start screaming and people get upset and all that, you actually can control the situation, right? Mm-hmm. So you you say maybe you know what? Why don't we get together? Maybe we'll talk about this over dinner tonight. I just need to talk to you about something, mm-hmm. and um, and I just want to let you know the reason why I want to talk about it is because I just want to make sure you and I are on the same page. That's it. I don't want to. I don't want us to fight. And you can actually say that. I don't want us to fight. I don't want it to be about pointing each other and blaming each other. I don't want it to be that way. I just want it so that you and I are on the same page. Are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. I'll my treat. I'll pay for dinner. You know what I mean? So now you're actually saying you're setting up the situation so the other person will know, okay, good. I know that I'm safe. You're making the person feel safe. That's important. So this second person would actually say, okay, I know I'm safe. I know we're not going to fight. I know there's not going to be any screaming because we're going to be at a restaurant and, and we'll be able to talk like adults. We're not going to be like kids fighting each other. Because mm-hmm. what usually happens is when someone brings up a conflict, the other person puts up a wall because they already know what this other person's going to say. We've all been there. We've all been in that type of relationship. Mm-hmm. And so what does the second person do? Immediately, their defenses are up. And so the, what comes to mind is while this other person is talking, the wall is already up and this person is already thinking of something that they're going to attack. This person who's talking, they haven't even heard what this person was talking about. Because the whole dynamic was not safe. And I always tell people, you know, and I'm actually holding a um, um, uh, a dating uh, dating again group coaching series for men. And one of the things I actually would tell the guys is, do you know what women are looking for in a relationship? And they go, oh, they want this, they want that. Nope, nope, nope. You know what women are looking for? They want to feel safe. That's all. We just want to feel safe. But guess what? Men want to feel safe. Men want to feel as safe as women. Women's desire to feel safe. Women's need to feel safe. Mm -hmm. So most people do. doesn't matter whether you're a guy or a woman. You want to feel safe. And it doesn't mean muscles. It actually means can you and I talk without having to blame each other? Can you and I talk without having to hurt each other? That to me would be safe. Wow, that was great. I mean, that's definitely, I've seen that situation in both professional and personally. So, I mean, if you gotta look back at this, everybody go back and listen, because it's super applicable to any situation so, I mean, it's, it's, we always want safety in the workplace or personally. So, I mean, I'm definitely going to look at this again. And I suggest you as viewers to look back at this time frame as well. So, that's a lot, that was a lot of good nuggets right there. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how can organizations improve their communication? Ooh, that's a good question, too. Um, 
I've actually consulted with a lot of organizations in the last, wow, since the 90s. No, I'm sorry, 80s. And one of the things that I can I can share with you is that um, having a system in place is very important in any organization that wants to succeed. And what I'm talking about but by having that system in place is being able to establish uh, best practices where the ultimate goal of the leader is, and, and, and I'm going to break this down later on, but the ultimate goal of the leader is to make sure that his tribe, meaning tribe, when I mean tribe, I'm actually talking to the people. If you're the leader, you have people who follow you, and I'm going to refer to the, the people who follow you as your tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they're your employees or if, you, if you're a leader of an organization that you actually have your members, they're your tribe. So that your tribe, when you can create an environment where your tribe can actually feel safe, that can be broken down into little things. And believe me, when your members feel safe or when your employees feel safe, they can talk to you. You have an open door policy and they can actually tell you, you know what, boss, there's something going on in this this right here or the customer here had, had a problem. What do you think? And they're able to talk to you. Same thing with being in a relationship. If you're If you're married and your wife actually says, you know what, honey? I think I really wanted to, to go. I have a problem with this and maybe you can help me. She feels safe. And if a, if a man does the same thing and he goes, you know what, I can actually come to go to my wife or to my girlfriend and say, you know what, I think we need to talk about this because it's it's so important to me. She's not going to go, what do you mean it's something important to you? It's always about you. You know, there's nothing like that. That's not making a person feel safe, right? Mm-hmm. Back to being a leader. You know how to make your employees feel safe. You've created that environment where there's um, a standardized way of verbally or in written communicating people's needs and wants, right? What are, what are the biggest problems usually when people, when you go, I used to work in HR and I would actually either um, be one of the people who actually interviews uh, someone who wants to work for a company, or I would be the person who would give you the exit interview. One of the one of the things that I noticed the most common denominator when someone leaves is it doesn't matter what their reason is. They could say, my boss is a jerk, or I just don't like the way, I just don't feel good here, or whatever. But the bottom line is it's communication. When they feel that they're not being communicated to in a way where they feel understood or they feel like they're being heard as an employee by their leader, what do people tend to do? Either they rebel or they'll do things against what the company's policies are, right? Because they're not being heard. And it's the same thing in relationships. When you feel you're not being heard, what do people do? When 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 you have a friend who is cheating on his partner, what do they usually do? And you go, well, your friend's telling you because they trust you. And, and you go, well, what, what's going on, man? What's going on? What do they usually go? Well, I just feel I'm not being heard. He's not listening to me or she's not listening to me. I just don't feel that our communication's good. Or they may not even say that. They'll just say, um, we just stopped talking. Or, oh, you know, we just, I think we just went separate. We just grew into two separate. There's no communication. So it goes goes back to that. 
um, giving feedback and respecting that feedback, I think, is a good way to improve communication. And, and by that, what I mean is either giving feedback or receiving feedback, whether you're the boss or whether you're the employee or whether you're the boss or whether you're the employee on both terms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it's important. And I think having to listen to feedback from other people, no matter what, and keeping an open mind and saying, okay, that's good. I, I, I get it. I, I like what you just said. And you know what, Garrett? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that in mind. And I'm going to make a note of what you just said. Instead of saying, oh my gosh, there you go again. You always see the glass half empty. You know, how can, how can someone feel safe giving you their feedback if you're constantly you know, berating them or being condescending or being argumentative or being combative or blame shifting. Mm -hmm. If someone's giving you feedback, just be open to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing to me that, that really is important in improving communication within an organizational structure is having, um, encouraging your people, encouraging your employees Encouraging your members. Mm-hmm. And, and by that, I also mean having a level of transparency. That goes back again to communication. So it's another circle. It's just mm-hmm. being transparent. Whatever your mission is, whatever your intentions are, if you have projects and you don't communicate that and you're not being transparent, if, there's, if you know there's going to be a layoff and you're not letting your employees know and you're keeping it a secret, by the time you announce it, I mean... And I do understand. I I understand. I've worked in HR and I do hear the other side where they go, what do you mean you're going to tell people that we're going to have a layoff? They're going to start stealing some pens. No, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about that, but being transparent in a lot of ways. But that's, that's another, that's another seminar that we can do. Um, um, To me, a way to improve communication is also by promoting um, a level of, um, sensitivity to other people's needs and to other people's pain points and to other people's pain period Mm -hmm. Um, and being able to um, going back to what we were talking about earlier is also being able to establish um, personal boundaries Mm -hmm. and that's that's also a good way to improve communication it's just just personal boundaries. We could do a whole seminar on that because knowing when you actually establish personal boundaries, it is so important to actually even verbalize it and say and be able to say, you know what? I think I'm not going to go there. I think I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to say no. And you say no, and you've established your personal boundaries, right? A lot of people actually have a hard time saying no. That's 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 going back to personal boundaries. Why do you think that is? Um, I think a lot of people are afraid to say no because they're afraid that they're going to hurt other people's feelings. That's a mm-hmm. very common reason. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm just going to say. I'm not going to say no because I don't want to hurt these feelings. Or if I say no, there's going to be a problem. We're going to have a fight. Mm-hmm. If I say no, I might. I might be on his. SH list, right? Mm-hmm. If I say no, um, 
They're just going to think I'm a B-I-H-C-H. You know, there's a lot of reasons why people say or people give that excuse to justify to themselves that they just don't don't understand that having those personal boundaries is really important. Mm-hmm. So they'll just say to themselves, I just won't say no. But what they're actually doing is they're not only hurting the other person, they're actually hurting also themselves and they're actually damaging, sabotaging the relationship. That's interesting. Yeah. So stand up for yourself. If you have to do what's best for you (laughs) professionally or personally. Yes, absolutely. Oh yeah. Sometimes it's, it's hard. It's hard for us. Uh, you know, I would say a lot of women have this problem and ladies, I'm sorry if I actually say this, but I'm just, this is anecdotal and I'm, I'm just repeating what other people are telling me um, during coaching and they'll actually say, you know, it's just hard for me to say no. I just can't say no to him in, in romantic relationships. I just can't say no. And I'll go, why not? Why don't you just say no? If you say, if, if, if he says to you, well, why don't we, you know, why don't we go out and hang out and it's nine o'clock in the evening and you're tired and you're already in your pajamas, why don't you just say, it's okay, I'm, let's just do it some other time. Let's get together and hang out some other time. I'm really tired right now. I just had a big day at work. You say no. Right? Mm-hmm. What can leaders do to improve their relationships within the organization? Um, like that question. Um, I would say for, for leaders to actually improve the relationships within their organization, I would say you need to inspire by example. When leaders, when leaders just do all the talking, people actually watch you. They watch what you do, not what you say. And usually we follow, we, we follow great leaders not because we want to, not because we have to, but because we want to right? Because good leaders inspire us. I, I actually have, um, I have a story that I wanted to share with you. And um, everybody knows this story. Um, 1963, when Martin Luther King, and this is very relevant to what's going on nowadays, when he was when he had that I believe speech, right? He's, he's a good leader. Think about it. In 1963, they had no emails, no Twitter, no social media, right? Nothing. And there was uh, no cell phones, nothing. So people couldn't say, hey, why don't you? But he had 250,000 people at the mall in Washington. And, and he actually didn't say, I have a plan. He said, I believe. He believes. He knows because he knows. He believes in the people. He believes in the cause. He has his purpose. So when you want to improve communication within your organization, to me, 
my idea of, of being a leader, let's just say there was no cell phones, there was no, I would still follow you if I knew that you had a why and you had a good purpose and you were able to inspire me and I could be the best version of myself because you inspired me. Wow, that's interesting. I definitely agree. That's such a huge thing. A lot, I think it goes along the same like actions speak more than words. Kind yes. Of thing. So you know, yes. a lot of people talk, 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 but it's like no one right. ever shows shows up to actually do the thing. But those leaders that do that do do what they're saying say really improve the relationships, like you said, and I mean, it mm-hmm. really inspires them to really follow the whoever they're following, and it's. I think it does make a difference as well. Yeah, it really does. How can we assess whether our professional or personal relationships are healthy? Um, to me, kindness is so important. There's something about that. It's such a simple word, but many people really, if, and, and I just wanted to go back again to uh, dating because I really feel, I always compare regular life, whether I'm, especially when I'm teaching a class on leadership, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. When I give people examples of how it is in dating, people can relate, right? Mm -hmm. And people actually, it it sinks in because most people already have been in that position. And I would always tell people, when you're looking for someone, isn't it important that actually this person has kindness in their heart? Because if you break it down, that word kindness is huge. It's huge. It's in the way the person looks at you. Compare the way a person who's kind, the way they look at you with kindness versus a person who looks at you with resentment and contempt, which is total opposite, right? So you know that look. You know it when someone's, someone looks at you with, with anger and contempt, which is even worse than resentment. So it's not only in the way they look, kindness, the way they look, the way they act towards you, the way they talk to you. How about this? The way they talk about you when you are not around, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, another sign of a healthy relationship is when there's great communication. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, where you actually feel safe, that you can communicate. You have a, a, a way of expressing what you want and what you don't want. And somehow you feel that you will never be judged. That, to me, is a way where I can find out if I'm in a healthy relationship. Um, another one, too, would there be, um, would be um, a congruency in... In goals, when, to me, when there's congruency in 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 different aspects, it's it's more so a a, a good sign of compatibility. Whether it's um, a brand new boss or a brand new girlfriend, right? There's congruency in goals. Do you guys have the same goals? Do you have the same personal values and beliefs? If if there's too much if there's too much differences, I'm not saying that it's not going to work, but you need to, I'm going to tell you though, if there are, communication really needs to be 
it needs to be right there. Um, another sign of a good relationship would be um, being able to make decisions jointly. So when you're able, when you're in a relationship and you know that you can actually make decisions together. And here's, here's also a good example. So let's say I walk into my boss's office and I know that my boss makes the final decision. I can recommend and I can actually present ideas and proposals, but no matter what, my boss has to make the right decisions. But here's where I know that I have a good relationship with my boss. The boss will review what I presented and go, okay, gives me a day or so. And after a day, calls me into his or her office and says, you know what, CEO, I love this proposal. I think it's a, it's, it's a, a great decision to actually do this, but, um, but I don't think it's time yet. But here's something in this communication dynamic that's going to make a big difference. And I go, but you know what? What do you think? I want to hear your opinion. See how you would actually feel empowered because your boss is listening to you, mm -hmm. right? And what do you tend to do? People who do that usually would feel, wow, I feel valued. I feel like I'm being heard. And I actually feel like I'm contributing. I worked, I worked for, for 50 hours on this project and I would stay, I would work overtime. And it's just so nice that my boss actually wants my opinion. But see how your boss, of course, the good boss would actually go, they know that they're the ones who actually would have to make the final decision, but they still have that kindness in their heart, the empathy to say, you know what? I want to hear your opinion. I do. So that's empowering, right? Are you going to be loyal to that boss? Of course you are, right? Because it's hard to find a boss who's confident enough who would actually make you feel that you're a valued employee. And what do people usually complain about when they leave? I feel underappreciated or I feel that I'm not important or I feel that my, my opinion doesn't matter. What does, what does it doesn't make any difference to me? Why should I work here? Mm -hmm. So, and then right. going back to, uh, I'm sorry. Sorry, you go ahead, sorry. Um, just one more thing. So yeah. going back to what we were talking about, you know, if you wanted, if you wanted to assess whether you're in a, a healthy relationship, go back to that that example that we were talking about in conflict, because that's important. Mm -hmm. so that's all I wanted to say. Just make sure you you understand that the conflict is a third bubble. I like how you mentioned kindness earlier. I mean, it's it's such a very simple principle but i mean we were told as kids you know only be kind to others blah 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 but i mean as we get older we kind of like forget that but it's, it's super simple but it's so hard to execute day in day out yeah. i mean i feel like it's super undervalued and it's, it's hard to be consistent with it because it does take energy right. so it's i it think does. we have to really understand that and really find that kindness that it's really going to bring us forward to wherever whatever we're going to do in relationships or just living life in general Yep, it it does. And that's where also empathy comes in, right? Because mm -hmm. when you can put yourself in the shoes of another person, it's easier to be kind. But if you're going to put yourself in the shoes of another person, then you judge, <laughs> right? When you're being judged, 
somehow you just want to close off and you don't even want to have a relationship with that person because you feel like you're always being judged. Yeah, I mean, that's so prevalent to now. I mean, it, there's so much judgment on social media to the press, to different ethnicities. It's just, mm-hmm. we need more yeah. empathy in the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. I, I never really, un, not not that I never understood, but I never really appreciated that word kindness until I broke it down here and I go, you know what? No, actually a lot of the, the things in a relationship can stem from kindness mm-hmm. or the lack of it. So the problems that can can surface in bad relationships really can can surface from the fact that the person is not kind. Especially like if you're in a narcissistic relationship, usually it's the first thing they would say, oh, he's mean or she's mean, right? It's the opposite of kindness. <laughs> I definitely agree with that. Having healthy relationships includes connecting with others. In your experience, what are some ways to connect with others? Mm. Well, to me, there are two ways that you can actually connect with others. You can connect in person or virtually. And I'm just talking, say, right now in our situation, right? And this is just um, a good opportunity for us to, to talk about it. Um, when, you're, when you're able to find a common ground with that person, it actually encourages connection, right? Just as a good example, just to make it very simple. so. Let's say you're on a first date and you're, you're sitting at, you know, at Starbucks and you want to connect with this person, but you don't really know what to say. So what I usually would tell people is before you even get on that date, try to find a common ground that you guys can talk about. That will break the ice. It's really that simple, right? But people make it so complicated and they go, well, what am I going to talk about? Or I might actually, so you have all these voices in your head that are telling you you're not good enough. You know what? Your hair sticking out or whatever. So you, you just really have to go, okay, I'm a human being. This person is a human being. Um, and all I need to do, and he has experiences and I have life experiences. And what, what can I find out about this person that we have the common ground? Well, guess what? That usually starts, uh, a, it's a way where you could actually start that, that journey of connection. So finding a common ground is important. Now, on another level, if you really want to be connected with someone, whether it's your boss at work or whether it's an employee or whether it's someone that you are in a romantic relationship with, to me, it's really important that you actually develop empathy by how do you develop empathy by by listening by learning about the other person um by asking questions so when you ask questions you can actually see issues again it's a bubble Mm -hmm. from their perspective because if you think about it right i have my perspective and you have your perspective so if we fight you can tell me, you're, you're, you know, tell me whatever you want to tell me, express your feelings, but I'm going to think in terms of, but yeah, but that's your perspective. 
if I say, and if it's my turn, and if I have to say what I want to say because I'm unhappy with something, that's my perspective. Meaning, this is my truth and I'm just going to express it. In a good relationship, these two people will actually understand that each person has their own perspective and they have their own truths. This is your truth and this is my truth. Now, how do we meet in the middle and actually say, we're going to put each other's truth in that table. We're going to put it on the table and we're actually going to say, let's talk about why there's conflict, why we don't agree. But you're able to talk about it without character assassination, without blame shifting, without gaslighting, without projecting your own insecurities on that other person and then making that other person look so bad. You don't have to do that. But if you communicate and you talk about whatever that conflict is, putting aside all judgment and just really focusing on the issue, I can guarantee you there's going to be less fights. The reason why fights actually get so big, if you think about it, by the end of this big fight, what do people usually tell you? You know, I don't even remember why we fought. <laughs> the truth. Right? But here you are, you're calling each other names. You're, you know, you're just so mad at each other, but you don't even know why you actually started the fight. Because you forgot about that bubble. Because you started attacking each other's character. And then the other person feels so offended, they have to make sure that they are a hundred times better at attacking your character. So what does it become? It just becomes a battle of you're lazy. Now you're the one who's lazy. You're this, you're that. But I've seen it happen at work. And people act like two-year-old toddlers. That's, that's definitely interesting. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I definitely agree with that. People, there's so many fights. I mean, it's everyone tries to like bite each other's heads off. I mean, when you really take out the problem, you really solve the issue. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely amazing. Um, what are some misconceptions about relationships? You know, the most common one that I hear, um, and and what I'd like to do is, would you like me to go first? on to dating relationships um, and then go to the workplace relationship. Would that be okay with you? Yeah, that's fine. Because I'm just gonna I'm just gonna share with you something that's really interesting. So speaking of misconceptions about relationships, people usually tell me, well, you know what? Relationships are just too much work. <laughs> do you hear that a lot? I'm sure you have. You know, when someone actually says, you go, well, why don't you get into a relationship? Nah, it's too much work. Right? <laughs> the funny thing about that is that if you think about it, of course, relationships, relationships take work. Think about it, right? When you, when you actually accept a brand new job, it's a relationship that you have between yourself and a brand new job. So you want to make sure that you impress the boss you impress your coworkers, you impress the stakeholders, you pretty much have to work on the job and the relationship to your job to make it work. It's the same thing. Now let's, let's try to go to the other end of the spectrum. So let's just say you, um, 
you have a passion Mm -hmm. and your passion is, um, say, surfing. Now, great surfers usually have to keep practicing. They have to go back to that wave, go back to the middle of the ocean and ride that wave and go, but they have, but they fall and they, you know, they have to, but it's work. So why can't relationships be work? So to me, it's a myth. Sometimes I think it's a, people just use that as an excuse to justify the fact that they're just lazy and they don't want to do the work in nurturing the relationship because it's really just about nurturing the relationship. And I'm not just talking about dating anymore. I'm talking about nurturing the relationship in the office, in the workplace, or how about your personal relationships, your sister, your brother, your parents, right? Your Mm -hmm. grandma, that's your personal relationships. So it still work. You got to make sure you remember their birthdays. You got to make sure you remember, you know, at at major um, religious holidays that you actually Mm -hmm. call them up and see how they're doing. So yes, it is work. So relationships are work. Um, Another misconception that I hear about relationships is that conflict is a sign of a bad relationship. I hear that a lot, right? But we talked about that earlier. The only Mm -hmm. time that it's a sign of a bad relationship is if you actually insert the word repeatedly. So conflict is a, a sign of a bad relationship if you repeatedly have conflict, and I'm talking daily or frequently, then that becomes really a bad sign. So to me, that's a myth. Um, Opposites attract is another misconception about relationships. Um, Actually, the funny thing about it is there's been research done like back in the early 2000s where scientists were studying couples Mm -hmm. and they found out that um, people who usually share the same values, the same lifestyle, the same um, um, spiritual beliefs, that they they actually tend to um, complement each other. Mm. So, and, um, and then when, and if you do have, and I'm not saying, of course, there are um, uh, exceptions to the rule, but if you do have, if you do come from two opposite backgrounds, you can make it work. I know people who actually have made it work, but you know what they have in common with all the other couples who actually made it work, or even in the workplace, it's communication. Having the ability to communicate how you feel, how you express things, and also being able to accept feedback. So again, it goes back to relationships. And no matter what people say, business is about relationships. It really is. Usually you like to work with people you like, right? If you're picking, if you're, if you're, if you have three different vendors and you're picking, uh, you know, between three vendors, Usually, besides their skills and besides the, what they offer, it's usually the guy that you like. The person that you like to is the vendor that usually you'll pick, right? It's about relationships. 
Those are interesting. Yeah, I've heard that some of those uh, where opposite track. Oh, you gotta find your opposite. I say, oh, I guess apparently not to you. So <laughs> there you have it, people. <laughs> it can work. I'm telling you, it can work. And I've seen, you know, opposites actually. They made their relationships work. There's got to be communication. If it's not there, I'm telling you, it's so hard. Do you believe uh? communication is a natural thing or is that a skill to me i really believe 100 percent that it's a skill that you can definitely develop it so if you're a person who doesn't have good communication skills don't feel hopeless don't and especially nowadays you can go to amazon prime and you can actually take free courses and aren't there free courses on the internet um where you can actually take communication courses Mm-hmm. you know it's it's definitely definitely important i really really believe it is it can be it can be learned yeah i definitely agree it's many people think that just because i'm talking to you means i'm a good communicator correct it's just there's so much more intricacies within communication yes. that's just like wow i gotta learn more about this uh, it, it's like sharpening the, the saw you know like the sharper you get it the better you're gonna get it for for any sport, at least too, you know, the more shots you get, the more accurate you're going to be. It's the same thing with communication right. as well. That's very true. That's so true. And you know what's really funny too? I wanted to, to add to what you just said because it's so true. That was so profound. If you think about it, communication doesn't just, it doesn't just mean we're talking to each other. You can communicate by even just looking at each other. Mm-hmm. You know how in, in, in at the Hollywood movies, though, you see the husband, they're busy room, they're at a party, and the husband will just go, wife just goes, <laughs> <laughs> communicating, right? <laughs> right? Communication. So how do you communicate? Here's, here's another example. Body language. Mm-hmm. You're on a date, and you ask your date a question that you feel is a little bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Here's how you can watch communication. She goes like this. Well, yeah, right? That's communication. She just Mm -hmm. communicated something to you. Either she goes like this, she raises her eyebrow, she gives you the smirk, she gives you the attitude. That's communication. She just communicated to you that she didn't like what you just asked her, mm-hmm. that's communication. Yeah. I, you mentioned nonverbal, but it reminded me of a book called uh, What Everybody Says. And it's from, it's authored by a, what is his name, but he's a, he used to be an FBI agent. And he was talking about all the subtle cues that we do subconsciously that kind of depicts whether we're, what we're doing. So like I know some people will kind of, girls will kind of grab their neck kind of area and guys were kind mm-hmm. of like I forgot what guys do guys usually um I forgot guys do but I know girls like kind of tend to scratch around the neck area like a, like they're actually or like play a, with the hair or they yeah. go like this right that yeah. means they like you you know they go like this you know they're grooming it's called grooming in in the dating world I'll keep that way to mind for sure <laughs> <laughs> Or if you ask them a question and they go like this, well, you know what? 
they could be lying, right? That's something that probably the FBI agents would say. Usually that's like a sign, right? And they're yeah. saying something, you know what? Yeah, how old are you? You know, I'm just, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's communication because they're actually ex- expressing something and communicating something. So important. I really think it's so important. What difference have you seen in professional relationships from the early 2000s till now? Um, wow. That's, that's a good one. You know, what's really funny is in the 1990s, I just thought about this too. Mark Zuckerberg was just 15 years old in the 1990s. He was 15, right? So, which means Facebook was just, it was just the birth of Facebook. Mm -hmm. Now, Professional relationships then and personal relationships then were different. I brought it up because if you think about it, Facebook has had a huge impact on our lives or social media for that matter. Mm-hmm. So in 1990, he was just 15 years old. So it never even existed. Now it's part of people's lives. So has it changed the way people um, um, interact or people the way people communicate or people have their relationships absolutely I mean just a good example would be oh okay so let's just uh, instead of getting together people would just go oh let's just let's just get on Facebook Messenger and let's just do a video call mm-hmm. right so instead of driving um, an hour away to a family's house people would probably say let's just get on a video call you know but of course nowadays it's 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 a, it's a must. You know, because mm-hmm. you, you want to make sure that you have someone who's over 65 in your family that you're actually aware of that. Um, also, in the 1990s, um, Amazon was just recently IPO'd in, in the 90s, you know, so so it was it was different. So in other words, your um, re- relationships were very different back then. Why? Because I just remember when nowadays you can actually buy a gift for someone on Amazon and have it shipped to them, right? Whereas before, you have to go to the store, you have to go up to the third floor, take the escalator, because someone there is in the gift wrapping department and you can actually get a, a free box and a free gift wrapper, and then they will wrap that gift for you. And then you're going to have to take that gift, carry it with you, carry it home, and then get in the car, leave it at home. And then on that person's birthday, you actually have to say, okay, I'm going to have to go to this person's house. and I'm going to have to give the gift to them in person. Nowadays, Amazon just allows you to order it from your cell phone, and you can even put a little greeting happy birthday Garrett I hope you like this gift next thing you know I have Amazon Prime next thing you know you have the gift it's so different so relationships it has really changed relationships my point is technology makes a big difference and technology has actually impacted the way we conduct our relationships it really has so if you're you know if you're talking about now in 2020 versus 20 years ago it is so different very, very different. Mm-hmm. To me, the way I see it is I just feel that 
we should not allow technology to take the place of connecting and engaging with people in, in the year 2020, period. And I think it's, it's really important that we continue to um, push the fact that engagement and connection is important and that we should not allow technology to just take over our relationships. That's, that's just my advice to anyone who really wants to be happy in their relationships. I'm going to tell you, a lot of people who actually even tell me why they broke up with someone um, and, and when I'm coaching people, they'll actually tell me, yeah, because, you know, the only thing she does is she just likes to text. I go, what do you mean she just likes to text? Look, she doesn't even want to see me anymore. She just likes to text. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, then I'd say maybe that's a sign that she, she really doesn't want to see you anymore. Have you thought about that? Mm-hmm. I go, no, I just didn't. I just thought that's just how mm-hmm. she is. See how people even use it to justify why they're staying in unhappy relationships, which is not fair for you either. So don't allow technology to take over your human relationships. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I think doing all these stay-at-home orders, I think it's really helped people really understand the need for getting away from their phones and TVs. Because, I mean, it's... Aaron's like, yeah. I need to get out of you know, the beach. I don't want to, I want to go out, go out restaurants, blah, blah, blah. So it's, I think kind of a way to stay at home was, was a good thing. Like kind of like an eye opener for all mm-hmm. of us to get away from this stuff, you know, where you can, I mean, this stuff is fun. It's needed, but I mean, doing it for so long, is like, kind of like, oh my God, this is terrible. So, you know, you, you know, you're absolutely right. And you know what re- was really sad? This is really something. I just want to share a story. I went to Olive Garden to pick up, um, to go, right, mm-hmm. one day. And I was standing there. This was before the pandemic. And I'll never forget this. You know how when you're waiting for your food, you're right there by the hostess station. And you're just standing there, just waiting. And there are people watching. And next thing you know, I saw this couple. And they were at the bar. They actually, instead of going inside the restaurant, they just probably didn't want to get in line. So they just sat at the bar. And they were at one of those high tables. And they must have been in their 70s. I'm not kidding you. The first thing that they did as soon as they sat down, they weren't even engaging. They both looked at their phones. And they were both on their Facebook and nosy me, I was watching what they were doing. And they were like, they were both just on their Facebook. And I go, are they texting each other while they're actually up? <laughs> almost throughout their dinner, they were just both on their phone. So they had their pasta and they were still doing this. Like, really? That's crazy. Okay, that was sad. Yeah, <laughs> really sad it's kind of like uh, i think one part of wally he kind of showed that where there i think there was these two humans are like right next to each other because they're i guess they're like too fat and so they're in these like hovering pods and so they're going their own direction they're like literally like right next to each other and they're, they're like kind of like essentially like, essentially facetiming and eating and playing video games right next to each other and they can see each other through the screen but it's like just look to your Right, the left, so you're right next to each other. 
And that was made like was at, I think 2000 in the 2000s, early 2000s. Like, wow. While he's telling us about the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They actually had a commercial about that. Two little uh, 10 year old girls and they were, their dad was in the middle and the, the girls were, were texting each other. That was funny. I just thought it was funny. It was a parody. That was pretty good. So this kind of leads to my next question. Uh, where do you think the approaches to relationships will go in the future? Um, in the workplace, I really feel that um, organizational training and development is critical. Mm-hmm. The, the approaches really need to be focused on um, training employees and making sure that um, their employees are reminded, if you will. You know, a lot of, a lot of times um, people just really need to be reminded. And you know what else is really important that I think another approach would really be effective is bringing back the idea of mentorship. I believe in mentorship. As a matter of fact, going back to your first question, Mm -hmm. um, a good leader, a really good leader believes in mentorship, right? Because if you think about it, the best players in the world, Shaq, um, uh, you know, uh, all of these amazing Michael Jordan, they all had coaches. They all had mentors, right? So a good leader embraces the concept of mentorship in coaching in any organizational structure and training, training and, and personal growth and development, I think are so important in, in the future. If you really want your organization to thrive and your employees to feel that they're valued and that they're, that you're looking after their personal growth and development, definitely um, training and um, in organizational development is very, very important. 100%. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, it's now, now I've gotten older and everyone's been always saying, go oh, get a mentor, get a mentor. And I think it's just so important to really understand what you need in a mentor because, you know, everyone knows you need mm-hmm. a mentor, but knowing that you need a mentor doesn't really cut it. You got to know why you want the mentor. Cool. What are they going to provide you? Or is it relationships? Or is it business, communication, whatever it is, identify what it is. And it makes your, your journey or your search a lot easier to do so correct that's right and people have to be open to being mentored too because mm-hmm. there are people who just don't want to listen to um people who could could be a, a could give them a different perspective on things and they mm-hmm. just don't want to listen and they're not open to listening other people's experiences and they actually have that wall about them that goes no 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 i know what i want i know what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and the person also has to be open. I think it's important. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, once you hear someone that's kind of like stubborn and closed minded, it makes like culture seems, it ruins the culture pretty quickly. And it's like, Oh, right, gotta right. work with this person. <laughs> then that gets contagious. Yeah. So someone close that too. It's like, Oh, right. Right. You know, the person has to be open. I think that's, that's actually half of it's it's half of the game. It really is. How should we approach disputes and conflict? I know you kind of touched on, on that earlier, mm-hmm. but 
Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in a nutshell, for me, it's when you when you can identify the conflict, uh-huh. right? Number first thing, identify what the conflict is. Acknowledge that there is conflict, and once you're able to focus on the problem and not the person, going back to the bubble, you focus on the problem. Focus on the bubble, not the person. After you've identified a conflict, focus on that, and then actually take the initiative to say, you know what, let's have a conversation. That's actually the hardest part, is approaching the, per- approaching the other person and saying, I want to talk, right? Mm-hmm. Second one for me would be being able to talk about it. Choose the location, you choose the right time, you don't do it when the person is hungry. That's important. I know that people laugh about that, but it's true. Mm-hmm. When you're hungry, aren't you more hot-headed? When you're hungry, aren't you more like, okay, I want to get things done because I just want to get that food, mm-hmm. right? So the right time is important. Um, also, when you're able to ask the other party what is not working, to me, that's a sign of maturity, because it's hard to ask that question. So what do you think? What do you think is not working? Why are you unhappy? Mm-hmm. Or why are you upset? Or why are you mad? I just wanted to know. And I'm not saying this because I want us to fight. Right? Now, once the person talks, I think it's important that you get to listen to their perspective. And we did talk about that. You listen mm-hmm. to their perspective, but in your mind, right? Our, our brain has that amygdala, that's the more emotional part. And then you have the cortex, that's the more logical part, right? Mm-hmm. So when, when, you're, when you're amygdala, it actually says to you, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, there he goes again. He's trying to blame me again. You know, you're not listening to what the other person is saying. You're listening to what the script in your head is saying. Mm-hmm. So the key is being able to say, shut up, I'm going to listen to you. Mm -hmm. So listening to the other person. And here's another thing that actually helps is if you really want to um, um, allay someone's fear, for lack of a better word, is being able to apologize for things when you know It's actually your fault. It's so hard to say, I'm sorry. Some people find it really, really hard to say, I'm sorry. I'm sure you know some people in your life, you've never actually heard them say, I'm sorry, Garrett, you're right. But if you think about it, it's free. It doesn't cost them anything, right? But it's so difficult for them to say, I'm sorry. What do you think? Well, there's a lot of reasons. One of them could be pride. One of them could be just they have that need to preserve whatever it is they need to preserve, and that's understandable. Or maybe they were raised in uh, a home where their parents never said, I'm sorry, and they're not used to it. So if you think about it, it's not even their fault. If they were raised by parents who never said, I'm sorry to them, how will they know how to apologize, right? That's where empathy comes in. And that's when you actually think 
okay, it's not that this person is just a jerk. I have to think, why is this person unable to apologize? Then you communicate it. You go, you know what? I noticed that you never say I'm sorry. Can you tell me why? Now you can understand each other. And you're able to open that. If that's something that really bothers you, you know, you never say I'm sorry to me. I'm the only one. I've heard those in relationships. I'm the only one who always says I'm sorry. He never says I'm sorry. Or Mm -hmm. she never says sorry to me. Never. Why don't you talk about it? Because again, that's conflict. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about it, and you present it, so I just want to know why. Maybe you and I can work on it. So if, if you find out that this person's parents never really said, I'm sorry, then maybe you and that person can have an agreement and saying, you know what, this, when you don't apologize to me, I feel like I'm not, I feel that my, my feelings are being minimized. And I feel that my pain, when, you know, when something happens, I feel that my pain is not being acknowledged. And I would really appreciate it if, if, you know, once in a while that you could actually say, I'm sorry, and, and, and we could have an open conversation about it. And believe me, I'm not going to go, hmm, I don't care that you said I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. I'm actually mm-hmm. going to go, okay, I accept your apology, right? But then again, even saying I'm sorry doesn't just say, you know, you've actually heard people say, oh, I'm sorry. They don't really mean it. Mm-hmm. Or how about this? I'm sorry that you feel that way. That is not an apology. I'm sorry that you feel that way, Garrett. That's not an apology. That's just me saying, too bad you feel that way, Dumbo. It's <laughs> 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 not an apology. So... Being able to apologize and um, another way to approach conflict and disputes is actually creating solutions and being able to resolve that together as, as whether you're a boss, it's your, your, um, you're the leader or with your employee and you're able to resolve that conflict together and communicate it. Okay. Uh, I like I really like those strategies. I mean, I, to your point, I think it's that is so important just to not barge into just trying to eat each other apart. Because mo- I see most like conflict I've seen in relations, professionally and personally, they're just waiting for the person to stop talking, and then they're ready to respond without even really understanding what the other person is trying to say. And it's just like the other person comes back even higher tone and more angry, and then it keeps going back and forth. It's like. Right. Wasted all that yes. time and energy of not solving anything and still haven't gone anywhere. It's like, right. like a pause real quick and listen. You know what's really funny about that is because people usually have a script that's already going on in their mind. Mm-hmm. So when you're saying something, I already need to prepare what I'm going to say because I need to, because you're in fight or flight or freeze mode. So it's like, I got to prepare what I'm going to say because I got to defend myself. Right? So they already have it. So they're not listening to you. They're just listening to themselves. That's why the conflict becomes bigger. That's why the conflict never ends. Mm-hmm. Take that pause, everybody. Silence is, <laughs> silence, silence is golden. Silence is golden. <laughs> true. Very true. Man, that's true. And we're about wrapping up right now. And I asked my guests the same three questions. But for you, I'm going to just a tad bit. 
Uh, so first one, let's say you're, you have a 10 or 12 year old niece or nephew and they ask you, Auntie Seal, what do I need to do to make sure I cultivate healthy relationships professionally and personally? Well, the first thing that I'm going to tell her or him, is it a niece or a nephew? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Is number one, let's start with you. Let's start with you. I know you're at a point in your life right now where you have to listen to everybody that's taller than you. I get it. I get it. I get it. I've been there and I had to listen to them. The funny thing about it was when I was your age, for some reason, there was a part of me that really doubted me because I listened to people, and, and I'm not talking about my mom or dad. You know, we all have different people who are taller than us. It could be your teacher. It could be a babysitter. It could be um, an aunt. It could be an uncle. It could be a, a neighbor. It could be your mom's friend, right? So mm -hmm. we're talking about everybody that's taller than you. And maybe they said something to you that you didn't even know it, but it was actually an attack on you. You know what? You're never, ever going to get tall. Or you know what? You're never, ever going to, you're never, ever going to do this. You know, the never, never thing. And what I would say to this 10 or 12 year old person is listen to yourself. Know what your strengths are and know what your weaknesses are. That's the first thing. And if you can actually identify your strengths and your weaknesses, the second thing you want to do is embrace it and accept it. Now, I'm not saying if you have a weakness, you should just go ahead and accept the fact that your weakness is dot, 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 and you're never going to improve on yourself. No, I'm not saying that, but just accepting it. Okay, I know I'm not good. Like one of the things that I, I know I have to deal with is I am a horrible cook. I have literally poisoned myself three times since the pandemic started. I'm really not a good cook. And then I start thinking about it. Like, I wonder why every time I cook and I spend an hour cooking and I pretend I wear an apron and, you know, I'm like, here, I'm good. And next thing you know, I'm done. And it's like, I don't even like what it looks like. So then I, I started thinking about it. You know, maybe someone told me when I was younger that I'm never going to amount to being able to cook. And I won't be able to even cook an egg. So if, if you're able to um, listen to yourself first and then say, okay, these are my strengths. I know I'm good at this. And I know that, that these are my weaknesses. I'm just going to work on my weaknesses. And I'm going to listen to myself. And here's another thing that's also very important that I'm going to tell this 10 or 12-year-old 10 or niece or nephew. What you think of other people is none of your business. <laughs> In other words, stop paying attention to what other people think or say about you. Because you know why? That is, to me, that is so important. Think of a child who, who's hesitant who doesn't want to take the next step because they're afraid of what other people say around her. You bring that trait with you when you are an adult. 
and having that lack of um, just that fervor of being able to say, you know what? And that confidence, it really affects your self-esteem. It really does. And as an adult, you will always be dependent on other people's approval. You will always be dependent on other people to validate who you are. And I don't think that's very productive for anyone. And not having the confidence to just say, I'm just going to do this because I want to do it. Not because I want to impress another person. You're doing it for you. Not for other people. You're doing it for the wrong reasons if you're doing it for other people. Do it for yourself. I think a 10-year-old would be able to understand it. Is that too complicated? That, that's great. <laughs> My daughter's 26, so. <laughs> those, are, those are both great tips. I mean, I like your first one, how it's so important to restart with you. Uh, and it should be, it's important to know about the person, but I mean, really, they respond because of you. And if you don't understand that, if you can't control you how you think and feel, then you kind of lost the battle already. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, oh, can I say one more thing, Garrett? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going back to what other people are saying, especially kids that age, gossip is huge. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying, if your friends are gossiping about you, pay attention to it don't but it's it's easier said than done you know because words you know the sticks and stones may hurt my, you know words will never hurt me that's that's really not true words can kill somebody look at all the the 10 year old or 12 year old or 13 year old kids that kill themselves that commit suicide because some people talk about them on facebook that's really sad so to me, what I would say to the 10 and 12-year-old niece or nephew, don't let that affect you. That's their opinion. Sometimes people just say mean things because they're so insecure about themselves. They have to make you feel bad just so they can feel better about themselves. I would say that. No, I definitely agree with that. I mean, there's so much hate on everything. YouTube, yeah. Instagram, everyone's just like commenting like, hate stuff. It's like, oh my goodness, man, you have that much time out of your day every day mm-hmm. just to put that kind of comment. It's like yep. when you really think about it, it's like that has nothing to do with you. You know, it's yep. people are gonna hate, so I mean, why worry about it? I mean, focus on you. You you acknowledging that you're not gonna deal with it is really shows your character. Because Absolutely. it's easy I think it's natural for everyone to wanna like retaliate. But it just takes so much, shows you more character that you don't do so. Yep. That's very true. They say the, the most um, influencers, YouTube influencers, who actually, they actually interviewed them. And they said, do you listen? Do you, do you read everybody's comments? And they actually say, no, not anymore. I stopped reading the comments. Because mm-hmm. at some point, those people who are constantly uh, berating you or putting you down or criticizing you, somehow, you know, you're human and somehow that's going to affect you. And wh- you don't need that in your life. Just ignore them, ignore them, ignore them. Okay, next, next, next. It's, it's, it's useless energy that you don't even have to, you don't need to focus on. Mm-hmm. My next question is, 
what are some, one or a few key takeaways that you've gotten away from being a relationship expert? Um, communication, conflict, courage. And we talked about the first two, communication and conflict. And what I'd like to say about courage is sometimes the easiest things in life really need the biggest amount of courage. Meaning sometimes even just to say things that you don't want to say because it's either uncomfortable or awkward um, and it's easier to ignore it, but it takes courage to actually push that away and say, no, I'm, I'm going to have to bring it up because this relationship is more important to me than my own fear. That was great. Three C's, everybody. Relationships, he goes three C's. And last yeah. question is, what's your favorite relationship book? My favorite relationship book? Um, ah, wow. You know what? Um, for me, I've read so many relationship books, but there's one that I'm actually reading right now. And I, oh, here. It's called Nonviolent Communication. <laughs> and I love this book. It's by Marshall Rosenberg. Um, and I read it over and over again. And the best part about it is that you can really communicate things. That's actually where I got the impression where, you know, it's so true that your truth is different than my truth. And you don't have to believe my truth and I don't have to believe your truth, right? Because all it needs is for us to respect each other's truth and then come to the middle and say, here, this is where we're going to compromise. Wow. I like the sound of that book. I'm definitely going to get it. Yeah, it's a great book. His name is Marshall Rosenberg. Marshall Rosenberg. There you have it, everybody. Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. It's an awesome book. Well, today has been a very eye-opening and very informational session. I think again, Seal. Uh, I know I'm sure I know I got a lot of value out of it, and I hope you as the viewers have too. Where can our viewers learn more about who you are and what you do? And do you have anything, courses or anything like that coming up in, in store? I do. Um, I'm putting together, um, well, I actually have a um, dating again um, course for men called Updating Skills for Men. And um, I'm running it in June, July, August, and September. And um, it's on Eventbrite. Um, and I'll be happy to send you or send anyone um, information on it. And I'm also um, developing a course for women. And it's um, 
it actually helps women who have been in toxic relationships and they want to change that, um, the need to be with someone who is toxic again. So I, I help them um, eliminate the fear. I help them identify the causes and the root of why they're always attracted to the bad boy. So. Yes, I, I definitely am excited to be in those discussions. Uh, if you're in a relationship or not, I suggest go take it. You know, you can always improve your relationships, communication. And after today, I'm pretty sure you can know that she's the real deal. She seals the deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Thank you, Garrett. Do you have like a Instagram or anything like that where they can follow you? Or yes, on Instagram, yes, thank you for reminding me. On Instagram, um, it's called From Broken to Smoken. Um, just one word, From Broken to Smoken, K-I-N apostrophe. And um, it's, I'm pretty active on, on Instagram. And I also have a Facebook page, From Broken to Smoken. Same spelling, one word. There you have it, everybody, From Broken to Smoken. Thank you, Garrett. Again, Tila, thank you for joining. Um, everyone, please stay healthy and safe. And I can't wait to show you the, this one, the next one. Don't forget to comment, like, subscribe. And I'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you. Bye.